we've been studying Philippians 2 that says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who did not consider his equality with God something he had to hold on to. But he made himself of no reputation and came in the likeness of sinful man and took the form of a servant and humbled himself as a servant and died as a criminal even though he had never sinned. And in his death, he humbled himself by being tortured so that God would highly exalt him and give him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus... Every knee, let's say every knee, every knee, even those things that don't have a knee will get some. Every knee will bow. And every tongue, that's every person in every language, will confess. Those under the earth, those who have gone on before, those on the earth, those who are here, and those in heaven will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. truth is we need to call on his name now before the day of judgment amen the gospel is that god so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever would believe in him would not perish but might have everlasting life for god did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved hallelujah whoever calls on the name of the lord shall be saved. The Bible promises that. The gospel is that God sent His Son. He lived a perfect life. And He died an unjust death. And God allowed it to happen so that His life could be exchanged for ours. And so that His death could take our place. So death for us is nothing more than a physical thing. No longer a spiritual thing because Jesus paid the price. If you want to go to heaven, call on the name of Jesus. If you want your sins forgiven, call on the name of Jesus. If you want your guilt written, call on the name of Jesus. If you want a purpose for your life, call on the name of Jesus. If you want hope of eternal life, call on the name of Jesus. Jesus, I call on your name. Forgive me of my sins. I believe that you died for me and that you gave your life for me. I put my faith in you. Give me the gift of eternal life. That's all it takes. That's a simple gospel. It's a truth. And then you can sing with us. Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. Thank you. 
Cause nothing has the power to save Nothing has the power to save But your name Thank you, Lord, for your name Thank you, Lord That we don't have to climb a mountain or pay a price To have a relationship with you we just believe and we call on your name. Amen. Now say that name one more time. Jesus. Oh, just one more time. One last time. God bless you. If you didn't bring your Bible, here's the verse again. Do all things without complaining and disputing or arguing or whining, that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked, and perverse generation, who knows that's the day we live in, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life. Verse 16, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. What? I want to answer several questions today. The first question is, what? Do all things without complaining and disputing? I want to see that in some other translations. Okay, the contemporary English version says, Do everything without grumbling or arguing. The basic Bible English translation says, Do all things without protests and arguments. The American Standard Version says, Do all things without murmurings and questionings. The Message Bible, paraphrase, says, Do everything readily and cheerfully. No bickering, no second-guessing allowed. And the Weymouth New Testament says, Be ever on your guard against a grudging and contentious spirit. The word complain means to express discontent or unhappiness about a situation. It also means to formally make an accusation of wrongdoing. A couple years ago, a lady called 911 because McDonald's wouldn't give her her money back. So she called 911 to file a complaint. That's getting pretty formal, isn't it? Let's watch this. In the medieval period, when a monk joined a monastery, he would take a vow of silence. He would be allowed only two words every seven years. He was highly beseeched by his superiors to choose his words with the utmost of caution and reverence. Many of the most prolific sayings of religion have come from this practice. I see here you've completed your first seven years. Well done. What say thee? Food. Bad. Congratulations. You've completed your second seven-year vow of silence. What say thee? Bed. Hard. Hard.
you've completed your third vow of silence. What say thee now? Since you've been here, it's been complain, complain, complain. Be a saint. Don't complain. Have to laugh. It helps the medicine go down. Refraining from complaining. Why, when, and where? The reason why is that we may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault. When? In the midst of a perverse, crooked generation. That's the when and the where. In this time and in this place. Among whom you shine as lights in the world. The basic Bible says so that you may be holy and gentle, children of God without sin in a twisted and foolish generation among whom you are seen as lights in the world. The New Living Translation says, so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. The book of Jude says, and I believe this speaks of our day, prophetically, probably was happening in their day, but it's definitely happening in our day, warning about the society in which we live. These are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lusts, and they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lusts, these are sensual persons who cause divisions, not having the Spirit. Who was the guy that Jay Leno booted off of a TV? Conan. One night he was interviewing a comedian who talked about being on a first-class leg of a flight and sitting next to a passenger who didn't know the plane had Wi-Fi. He didn't know it. But ten minutes later, he was complaining about how it worked. Ten minutes later, complaining about something he didn't know existed before he got on the plane. That's the society in which we live. Want to make a difference. Want to look different. We've got to be different, right? This passage about not complaining follows the passage I quoted earlier from the same chapter, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who did not consider his equality with God, something he had to snatch or grab or rob or hold on to, but he made himself of no reputation. He humbled himself. Humility is a key. I'm getting ahead of myself to conquering the complaining game. Refraining from complaining. I want to make a difference in the world in which we live. Listen to this story. Uh, Chuck Colson. He's a well-known Christian author, former member 
of the Nixon administration, served prison time for his crimes, while in prison became saved and has become a wonderful minister, was in an airport in Jakarta, Indonesia, tired, sweaty, wore out, and for some reason they were having problems in handling all the passengers at the airport, and he was in this long line, this twisting queue that seemed to go nowhere while the Indonesians were getting their act together. He was tempted to act like an American and complain, but he didn't. He retained a joyful countenance and got to know the people around him and enjoyed himself. Two years later, he got a letter from an Indonesian thanking him. He said, I became a believer because of you. He said, I'm a Buddhist and I've been sending my children to church. He was a Muslim. He'd been sending his children to church. And uh, one Sunday went to pick them up early and sat in at the end of the sermon. And the missionary held up this book by Chuck Colson called Born Again. And he says, I remembered your picture. And I saw you in the airport. And I noticed how you were different from the other passengers. And I noticed your joyful countenance. And I, and I realized you knew Jesus. And I didn't. That's shining as a light in a crooked and perverse generation, is it not? How? How can we refrain from complaining? Could it be this? Could this be the answer? Complaint zapper. Zap away your negativity. Okay. Do not use if you are pregnant. Have a heart condition or wear braces. Guess I'm good to go. To test, hold in front and say something negative. Easy enough. Um, boy, this weather really stinks. Yikes. Whatever it takes. <clears throat> I'm very comfortable. <clears throat> Turn down the intensity a little bit. Let's give this thing a test run. Man, it is freezing out today. <clears throat> Stating a fact. I was stating a fact. <sighs> Boy, this coffee is terrible. <laughs> Don't freeze up on me now, you lousy. <laughs> What's this? Stain? I can't keep one single thing. <laughs> I know what you mean. That's just how he is, though. He's like, woe is me. My life is so terrible. <laughs> And this is unbelievable. I can't even get it. Oh, miserable. It's green. Come on, lady. Will you move? Yes, hello. Is this the complaint zapper complaint center? Yes. I have a... I have a suggestion. 
I think your complaint zapper is far too sensitive. As a matter of fact, I think it's a piece of junk, and I want my full... That's it. You're coming off. I'm done with you. Great. Now I'm going to have this thing on for the rest of my stinking... It's easier than that. I think it's easier than that. God wants his his people to have a willing mind, amen. Not forced to do his will with a dog collar on. How do we do this? The key is in the last in the first phrase of verse sixteen, holding fast the word of life. You are so fortunate to have canonized scriptures in your hand. In this time, the people just had memories and stories, the Old Testament, and some letters that Paul wrote them. But in those letters, this is one, were words of life. Holding fast or tightly onto words of life will bring you life. The literal translation says, holding up the word of life. The complete Jewish Bible says, as you hold on to the word of life. The contemporary English version says, as you hold firmly to the message that gives life. The New Living says, hold firmly to the word of life. The Weymouth says, holding out to them a message of life. And the Message Bible says, carry the light-giving message into the night. We make a difference by carrying the word of life to the world. But we can't carry it to the world if we don't have it in our own hearts. And this word that brings life to them is our life. Jesus did die for our sins. He did tell us in the word of life that we would have tribulation in the world, but that we were to be of good cheer because he had overcome the world. As we hold on to the Word and hide His Word in our hearts, we experience the life that is in it. It's like there is potential energy in the Word of God that becomes kinetic when we apply it to our hearts. In the book of John, Jesus told His followers, If you continue in my Word, then you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The truth that makes us free is a truth that we know. And the truth that we know is the word that we continue in. There is no substitute for putting the scriptures in your heart. Reading the word. Meditating upon it. Just read a chapter and look for a verse that speaks to you the most. And write it out on a card and carry it with you during the day. It's that simple. Allow it to speak to you. We're not talking about being religious. We're talking about being in a relationship with God using the Scriptures as a tool of communion with Him. They're words of life. And as they have an impact on our mind, they counter the temptation to complain. It's the truth. 
There's three R's for refraining, refraining from complaining. First R is repent for being selfish. Look at what the Word says. Earlier in that same chapter, Paul wrote, Let each of you look out, not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. So what, you're last in line. The person first in line is going to get served. We're supposed to look out for the interests of others. Cheer them on. Yay! Rejoice with those who rejoice. And then it goes on to say, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who did not consider equality with God something he had to hold on to, but he let it go. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter and never opened his mouth. What an example for us to follow. Repent for being unforgiving. We walk in unforgiveness. We're quick to take offense and slow to let it go. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 and 13 says, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another, If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. The Bible is not lubies. Many times we treat it as lubies. We want to pick and choose. And we're ripping ourselves off. Because when you complain, your problems multiply. They snowball on you. You're heading down a slippery slope to the pits of despair if you don't get a hold of the complaining issue. And the root of complaining can be unforgiveness. The third R, repent for being unloving. Peter wrote, above all things have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. Without grumbling. That's all I hear when I come to church is repent, repent, repent. (laughs) Oh, but there's such joy on the other side of it. When you repent, it's not just turning from unforgiveness or the lack of love. It's turning to the chief forgiver, the greatest lover the world has ever seen, is turning to him. Here's four keys for refraining from complaining. It's unselfishness, that is a quality of Jesus. Total forgiveness, that is a gift of Jesus. And unconditional love, that is a character of Jesus. These are things we hold on to. It may not be easy, but I tell you, The Word, the Word puts these things in our heart. You know, as Christians, we are on a road. We're on a road, not just to heaven, but we're on a pathway. We've been predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus. You know that? When you got saved, God just didn't give you fire insurance. He set you on a track. You're in a program, and there is no plan B. You're actually in boot camp, getting you ready for heaven, because heaven wouldn't be a fit place to be if it was full of complainers. 
Somebody said there's a, a suggestion box in heaven because even there some people wouldn't be happy unless they could complain. Now, what's the fourth key? Well, it's one of the fruit of the Spirit. Long-suffering. Long-suffering. I put a hyphen in there to emphasize the long. Saints, this word will make all the difference in the world in your relationships, in your marriage, with your children, your job, your ministry, your career, your neighborhood, your extended family, and yes, I do have ulterior motives, even your church. It just does. If we're a culture of praise rather than a culture of complaining, it makes, it, it, we all reach our potential. We all, it accelerates everything. Complaining just slows down everything. Now, this is a neat story. This picture comes from TV. It's just a picture I use just to tell this story. Uh, it took place in Brownsville, Texas. Who's been there? Way down south. An old man named Walter Buck Swords cursed and stomped his feet at his favorite restaurant, Luby's Cafeteria, demanding that he get his food exactly as he wanted it. Every day for close to seven years he did this, demanding that a particular waitress, Melina Salazar, would wait on him. Melina never complained. She offered a patient smile and did whatever she could to help her most stubborn customer. Melina displayed long-suffering. After seven years of thankless service, the old man died at 89 years of old. Of age, who can sing the song Blessed Departures? <laughs> Leaving behind $50,000 to his favorite waitress and a 2000 Buick. I tell you, it pays off. It does. There's benefits to refraining from complaining. In the context here, Paul wants them to learn to not complain and to be lights in this darkened world so that he could rejoice in the day of Christ that he had not run in vain or labored in vain. The Good News Bible says, If you do so, I shall have reason to be proud of you on the day of Christ because it will show that all my effort and work have not been wasted. The message says, So I'll have good cause to be proud of you on the day that Christ returns. You'll be living proof that I didn't go to all this work for nothing. The Webster Bible says that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain nor labored in vain. Why? Why would their complaining have an impact on whether or not his work was in vain? Because complaining would tarnish their witness. Complaining would not make them any different from the world. Complaining would, would snuff out their light or put a bushel under their light so they wouldn't make a difference in the world. Complaining would make them an unfruitful church. And the day when Paul stood before Christ, he wouldn't be able to rejoice. Look at the Philippians coming in here. <laughs> they did a great thing for God. Could it be complaining is the key to your success, to your growth, to your witness, to your ministry? If you learn to conquer this thing, there's a whole world of opportunity waiting on you. 
I shared a story last week of, I don't know that it's true, but it's a, it's a parable of a man that when he died saw this good-looking guy come in to see him. And he said, who are you, sir? He said, I'm the man you could have been. I don't want it to be me, to meet the man I could have been because I didn't never stop complaining. Now, remember the collar? The focus shouldn't be on not complaining. The focus should be upon Jesus Christ. And when we see ourselves complaining, that is an indicator of a lack of trust in Christ, a lack of love for people, a lack of patience in our character. It's a sign of weakness somewhere, of not casting our cares upon the Lord. I'm preaching to myself today. It's an indicator that if all you do is stop complaining and keep all this stuff in your heart, what's that about? That's not good. He's come to do more than change our behavior. He's come to change our hearts. Amen. So that when that day comes, His Lordship is displayed in our lives as we are made more like Him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank You so much that You did not complain that when You embraced the cross there in Gethsemane, when You prayed, Father, not My will but Thine be done, You went forward and did the Father's will for us when you could have complained, when you could have short-circuited the eternal purpose and called angels and said, I'm out of here. I'm done with this crooked and perverse generation. But you didn't. You willingly laid down your life. I pray, Lord, for every person in this room, Lord, that this word would not condemn, but that it would bring life. That when they're around kinfolks this weekend who are complainers and whiners, that they not uh, succumb to the temptation to become prideful. Well, you need to go to church. But that they understand that there's a need for a revelation of you. Lord Jesus, reveal who you are to each of us. Clear up our focus. Uncloud our vision. Take the tarnish off the lens of our soul. Give us an eternal perspective. May we see that everything really is going to be all right. That I'm going to be made like Jesus. And that the brother or sister who annoy me the most are going to be made like Jesus. That you don't make junk and that you're not done making what you've been making. Thank you, Lord, for your patience and your willingness to serve us. like for the praise team to come forward and let's end the service by praising the Lord. His name is above every name. His name is above that problem that would tempt us to complain. His name is above our weakness that would cause us to complain. His name is a strong and mighty tower. Let's end the service with victory. If you need to repent, the altar is open or you can kneel at your chair. And spend some time with Jesus. And I want to ask you a question. Don't raise your hand, but it is a raise your hand question. Who will read their Bible every day this week looking for a verse that will speak to you the most and will write it down on a card and carry it with you? Would you do that? Just a piece of paper. And look at it. 
That's holding fast to the word of life. It makes a difference. Amen. Otherwise, you're going to live by works, trying not to complain, trying to pick yourself up by your own bootstraps when it's the renewing of our mind that needs to take place. And the word of God will do it. Hallelujah. Let's worship the Lord. Your name is a strong light. this week so that when we do complain something goes tilt that's not what the word says or that's not looking at life through the perspective of God Lord I pray that you bless your people that you would keep them that you would cause your face to shine upon them and be gracious to them Lord lift up your countenance upon them and give them your peace the peace that passes all understanding. And may you shine as lights in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Lord, do that in each of our lives this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Your name is a strong and mighty.